Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. second series of this podcast focuses on business agility and it's sponsored by Emergence Journal. Today I would like to welcome Johanna Rotman. She's management consultant and author of several books on modern management and uh, we've been reaching to each other at several different conferences. Last time I've seen Johanna it was a San Diego Agile Alliance conference, the big event with a couple thousand people in and I actually joined her at the table during a breakfast and I was talking her about my new book, The Agile Leader, and I find the courage to ask her like if she would be open to write me a preface for that book. And to my biggest surprise, she said, yes, of course, it's been my pleasure. And so we became a little closer to that. When my book was almost ready, I sent her uh, the first copy and um, she just wrote those few lines for me. So let me welcome Johanna Rotman. Thank yeah. you. I am so delighted to see you. We're in Zoom, if not in person, right? At least yeah. in Zoom. That's right. That's right. At least we see each other. That's true. That's always good. My first question maybe is a little more open. What Agile help you to learn about yourself? So one of the things I've been learning over and over and over again is that I need to be a lot more adaptable and resilient. And if I really use the agile principles of do something small, get a little feedback, then I have more and more adaptability and more and more resilience. Because I, I, can, I can experiment on myself in, in really a way. And that allows me to say, what's my next step? I don't have to plan everything out. I can plan just enough, do a little bit, get a little feedback. Sounds very agile to you, yes. And that sounds also very simple. So was it really simple to get there? So I think I had often, I hesitate to say always, but I think I, I had often used these ideas professionally, right? I, I started off with rolling wave planning, an inch pebbles, one to two day tasks, and they're either done or not done, back in the 70s and 80s, right? So that, I had always done that professionally for my work, but I think up until, um, up until I had the inner ear hemorrhage and lost all my balance, right? I have, I have, I have no balance and my rolliner goes with me everywhere. As you well know, when I went to Agile, Agile Prague, it was, it was wonderful, right? And I can walk everywhere with a rollator, but it's, I'm not, I don't look like everybody else, <laughs> which, which I think is 
fine, but it's a little bit different when it when you're talking about at least for me it was when I'm when I think about my personal physical capabilities. What was the most difficult moment for you on the Aura Agile Journey of Working with Organizations? Oh, I think that there have been a bunch of difficult moments. So a lot of a lot of my clients say they want the agile goodness, right? They want business agility, they want agile teams, they want to be able to change what they're doing, but they don't want to change how they work as managers. And I am sure that you have seen this um, with your leadership book. I, I suspect that that's why you wrote it. But I find that when when managers say agile is for everybody else and not for us, that's really, really hard. And I've been working with several kinds of, I, I would call them more traditional organizations, right? Real estate organizations, companies in that are carbon-based. And when we start to think about more traditional organizations that have a legacy of couple of hundred years of actually being an organization, a lot of the people, especially in senior management, feel as if they will just keep going. But this is, this is exactly the time that they need to disrupt themselves. And if, if they only disrupt themselves for their management practices, they would be so much better off because that would allow them to disrupt their their organizational practices and and even thinking about the business that they're in. So I'm I'm at the point right now of the very big challenges are about how senior leadership sees the organization and what they think that they need to do as leaders. So what would be your recommendation where to start? Imagine a person who was like always doing it the same way. Now they hear about this, like you need to disrupt and there are different things. So, so where should I start? So I, I like to say to start with why, right? So if, if you as a senior leader want agility in your organization, I'm going to add, if I'm your consultant, I'm going to ask you, why do you want that? Right. And then I will have a conversation about what that means for outcomes for your management practices, for your for the business, the strategy of the organization, all that stuff. Because that's when and and I'm to, I'm only going to have a conversation, right? I'm not going to impose agility on any on anybody, right? That doesn't work. But if we start to have conversations and we start to say, well, I get to say. So if you want that, here are the three or four things you might want to consider so you can get that. What would that mean for you, right, to, to think about the outcomes and how would you do it? That's kind of the process of change. So that's when we start to realize that um, while they might want outcome A, they don't have any way to get to outcome A using the current processes and and procedures and rewards and all that stuff that they have right now. So starting with why, that's very important because if they don't see it, then why they are changing in the first place at all they want anyway. 
But then, okay, they see that why. It's strong enough, let's assume. But still the disconnect they are facing from this current way of working to the new way of working or to this new artifacts, like how do you help them to overcome this? And maybe to understand that shift even. I often start with the project portfolio because I find that that's a source of way too much whip the work in progress in the organization. And that's where as several managers don't have the same overarching goal, right? That's one of the very big reasons that they have so much whip. So we start with where, what are all of the things you're doing now and how many of them do you really need to do? How many of them can you do? What's, what's your capacity as an organization? And uh, are you so far past that capacity that you cannot get anything done? So we have many conversations about that. That must be hard because I, I remember many of those people saying like, we have to do everything, help us to do everything. And I'm like, I don't think that's even you know possible. How about if you're pregnant? No, 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 it's not possible. We have to do everything. So <laughs> that's tough, right? But what is, we speak about the modern management. So what does that uh, modern management mean in your mind? So for me, it's all about using principles to guide our practices. And if we want, um, self-organizing teams, we really need to trust people to do a great job and to encourage experimentation. And can they do that now? Um, how can we build a safe environment so we can, we can disagree with each other um, professionally? I think that that's, I, I really like to think about professional disagreement, right? And not that you're, I'm saying you're wrong, because you're wrong, but that I have a different perspective and I want to share my perspective with you so that we can come to an agreement on where we need to go next, right? That's, that's a, pro, a professional disagreement. I really think that building empathy with the people who do the work and delegating outcomes, not little tasks, not problems, that's a whole lot more reasonable. So there are a total of seven principles and I, those are just a few of them. I think this uh, professional disagreement is tough, right? Of course, you have to have a trust as a first level, but professional disagreement, people are afraid of conflict. Uh, they never say things to each other in many organizations. And when you want to build that, that takes time. So can you give us some hints, like how do you work with environments where this is just not happening? People never say things to their eyes if they disagree with each other. So how you unblock it? So part of it is, what is the reward structure for the managers? Are they rewarded on always succeeding? And I put that in quotes, right? Meeting, quote, their deliverables? Or are they rewarded on uh, exposing risks early? So one question I used to like to ask when I was a project or a program manager is if I see that there is a problem, how early do you want me to let you know? And sometimes managers said, I don't want to know. Um, that, that was almost never going to be a successful project or program. But if they said, um, well, you, you see what you can do, right? See what you can do to fix this and um, give me, a month or so notice, or 
a year or so notice or an hour or so notice. I mean, depending on what the risks were, that means that we had a much more reasonable approach to finding, to working together to disagree or, or agree on where to go next. So it's sort of linked to how do you take the failure? If you take it as a good thing or if you take it as a problem which you try to avoid and not see and hide, right? I really like to reframe failure as learning. So um, one thing I wrote in Create Your Successful Agile Project is that I, I never talk about um, failing fast. I do talk about learning early. And I, I often ask when I'm managing projects, which I do on a regular basis, I actually ask people, um, how early can we learn about this particular risk? Right, and I do this in my book projects all the time. So if you as my editor cannot get me something by such and such a date, that has downstream implications. So as soon as you know you're not going to meet that date, I need to know, right? I either need to do something else to mitigate the risk, or I need to, to let the other people know. I need to do something. And I cannot know the actions I need to take until I know if you are going to have a problem. So the problem is not the problem. My reaction to the problem is always going to be the problem. So what else are the managers struggling with? So I think a lot of managers really struggle with why they are managers, right? They are not so sure of their purpose. So they might have asked to become a manager to get that next salary bump. I see this a lot in many, many organizations. And they are not aware of the value that they are supposed to offer to to their team, to the greater organization, to, um, to the products. They're, they just have never thought about what is the value that I as an individual offer to this organization in all, in all the various levels. And until we ask managers to define their value and probably work with their manager <laughs> to define the value, um, I think that a lot of managers are, if they are unclear on their purpose, they have trouble making good decisions. Even, even good decisions that they might have to change, but good decisions for now. That's true. Now, let's imagine we define why we are here as the managers. So what is this modern management about? For me, it's a way of, and you might have to excuse this, this expression, more agility in the practice of management, right? So I said to you before that um, my vertigo has helped me use, really use agility in my personal life. And I find that if managers used agility in their, in their professional practices, that they took a little step and then got a little feedback assessed it, did a little retrospective, they would find that a whole lot of the things that they think might work, hmm, they don't work so well. Like anything to do with performance management, right? Writing a review for a person has never really made a change 
in anybody's life or in anybody's ability to do great work. So why did we do it? Well, HR demands it, right, in quotes, demands it of us. So what if we put all that energy that people put into the whole performance management and review idiocy and applied it to, to some kind of other form of um, feedback for people on a re much regular basis and then a fair application of raises, what would that look like? I don't think that there is one size that fits all for every organization, but I do think that we could do much more humane things with all that energy that we spend in performance management right now. It is true. So do you often work with the HR departments and help them to understand this shift so they can actually give a different guidance to the managers and organizations and how they react? Yeah, there's a little problem right now with HR departments because SHRM has one, um, has several principles, guidance, you name it, about the way we should, quote, do performance management. And all of that is antithetical to how we really want, uh, I hesitate to say, performance management in an agile organization. I mean, just for one thing alone, we insist on, on offering people raises because of their, quote, quote, their individual work. But on a really great functioning agile team, the team might know who has done what, but the team, the entire team is raised when the team works together. So how can we ask the team for collaboration and then reward individual work? And a lot of the HR people are, they ask the question, I don't understand how to do that. And I say, exactly, right? I, I don't understand either. And we need to, we might need to have some kind of um, performance levels, right? That we often need five or six, maybe seven levels with criteria that go across the organization. So a developer and a tester and a PA and a writer, they might all be at the same level, but they, because it's all about the influence over the code and the tests, whereas a scrum master or a project manager has influence over um, the process and with the people, not influence over the people, but influence with the people. And then the, the managers, the management track often has this ability to have influence over many, many more pieces of the culture, right? Again, not influence over people, but influence via culture. And when we stop thinking about individual deliverables and thinking in resource efficiency, and instead we think about flow efficiency and thinking in teams, now we have a way to really think about how does this person fit the various criteria? How many attributes, characteristics, qualities, whatever it is we want to call them? And where does this person really fit? And then how do we reward them for their work? I, I don't have all the answers. I do know that what we do right now really does not work. So how, how can we make it better? And how can we protect people's pay 
while we're doing this, especially the pay of the managers. Because if we, if we say to the managers, well, we don't really need you anymore after this, what are we going to get? <laughs> right? We still need managers to create and refine the culture. So there are so many pieces of this one, one facet, which I think actually is key to really having business agility, right? The whole reward structure, that's until we fix that, I'm not sure we really get business agility. And I'm with you on that. One of my really topics I'm passionate about is talking to HR and discussing them exactly that individual versus team oriented things and peer feedback over like uh, stop doing the review, more doing the feedback, et cetera. And that's super fascinating. But so far, I didn't find that many organizations who are really like interested about that. They're like saying, no, 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 it will never work. <laughs> Oh, we would love to have that. Can you speak to our HR? <laughs> and then that HR is not even interested to have a coffee. So <laughs> because they I, I, know how it needs to be done, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I really think that that's because HR actually has the goal of um, managing salary, doing salary management, not really growing people. And the more we want to do salary management, the less time we spend growing people and their capabilities. So yeah, there you go. That's right. And I've seen, uh, to be really honest, I've seen uh, quite a few really great individuals on those roles and doing great things. So not everyone. It's just, I think there is a still very long journey. And for some reason, I was always hoping that, uh, that HR people will start picking up because they're supposed to be this um, similar mindset, like people-centric. But for whatever reason, that's not happening. So, so uh, yeah, I noticed that you wrote a huge number of books. You mentioned something like 20. So uh, do you still remember their names and uh, still know how many, in which order they went? Or? No, I have to look at my webpage to know the order. No. And do you have a favorite one? So my, always my favorite is the one I finished, I just finished publishing. So since I've become a successful consultant is still in progress, that's not yet my favorite. It will be when I'm done. But now, right now, my favorites are the Modern Management Made Easy Triad. Yeah. So tell us more about that triad. Like, what, uh, why should people buy it and what they will learn in it? So there are practical ways to manage yourself, practical ways to lead and serve others, practical ways to lead an, an innovative organization. And the reason people should read it is because we have so many myths about what managers do and are, are supposed to do in the organization. And almost all of those myths actually prevent managers from doing a really great job. So the reason why I, I wrote three volumes is because if I'd written five or 600 pages, nobody would have read it. So this way it's easily digestible, right? And you, you've, You've seen that with your books, right? That when you make it digestible, people will, will read them. So if we think about managing ourselves 
It's all about the ability to say no when, when your manager wants you to do something crazy. It's about the ability to say, I'm wrong, right? To admit when you're wrong and to, to really figure out how to delegate. There's, there's more, but I'm, I'm being brief. And practical ways to lead and serve others is about how you think about slow efficiency, not measuring it, but how do you create a team that can work together? All of those things. And when do you as a manager have to step in? Even though I might not like the fact that managers have to step in to fire people, we, if we are managers, we need, we need the, the gumption to really do that. And then practical ways to lead an innovative organization. Um, it's not just about the project portfolio and getting rid of all the bureaucracy, but if we only started there, that would be really good. Awesome. I like your simplified version of all that. And they are on my top recommendations for books for this year on my blog. Now, I have a last question for you. And that's, again, similar to all our guests here. So where do you see the future of Agile in like 20 years from now? <laughs> so <laughs> this, this is actually a tough question, Susie. Very tough question. So here's what I'm thinking. I, I suspect that we will actually be more Agile, as in flexible, adaptable, resilient, nimble, changeable in 20 more years. Because I think that um, if I think about where we were in, in 2000 and 2001, when the Agile Manifesto was written, and what a whole bunch of us were doing then, and we have moved in the past 20 years, we mostly had projects with hopefully long-lived teams, right? That was that was our goal, and to get rid of um, a lot of management oversight. And now what I think we have is the start of product-based thinking, whether or not we have projects as containers or not, but we are still, we are still moving a whole lot more towards product-based thinking and what do we need to do to have satisfied customers. And if we start to really take a customer-centric approach to our work, we are much more likely to know, well, hopefully, that we need to have more agility all over the organization, right? Not just at the team level. The team level is necessary and it's not sufficient. So I'm really hoping that the next 20 years changes the equation so that instead of focusing on teams and what they need to know and pushing agility down, we start to invite managers and, and nudge agility up. Interesting. Thank you very much for your time being here in this podcast. Thank you very much for sharing your great ideas. It's been a pleasure to have you here. And thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy speaking with you. Likewise. In a summary, it all starts with why. We need to start having a conversation about what outcome you want to get and if you can get that outcome using the current way of working or not. We need to trust people more, 
that they cannot do a great job and encourage them to do experiments. Create a safe environment where we can professionally disagree with each other, learn early, and be very transparent about our risks. We also need to ask managers to define their values and their purpose because without it, they are unable to make good decisions. They need to embrace the personal agility and inspect and adapt the practices, learn from the feedback in short iterations. That's the basic of modern management. The more we focus on salary management over growing people and their capabilities, the more difficult it is to support agility in organizations. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shekhova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com S-O-C-H-O-V-A dot com Thank you for listening. Thank you.